Uh, you'll see from your bulletin that we are in a series called God Answers, uh, talking about an active, growing prayer life, um, looking at the value of that. Also want to draw your attention to the board over here. Um, no, there's not circuits that are blown on this if you're here for the very first time. It's because those are light bulbs that we are turning on as God is answering prayers. And there were already some more answered prayers that uh, came on from the 8 o'clock service. Already some in this service that said, do you want me to do this now? I said, no, wait. Do it as an encouragement to others. And so after the service is over, as we are singing here, we invite you to come and just turn a light bulb Clockwise is the way you want to turn that, by the way. Uh, and as you do, a light will come on, and that represents an answered prayer in your life. And you know, as we wrote up in the bulletin, if you have one of those God stories, please send that to us. I think we wrote in there the email, um, GodAnswers at FBC.org or something like that. You'll see it down there at the bottom. Please send us a story of how God's been answering prayer in your life. It will be an encouragement to others in our congregation. Well, today we are talking about God answers when people pray for each other. And um, if you were here last week, you'll remember that I mentioned sometimes prayer changes a situation. Sometimes prayer will change us. And sometimes it changes us so much that we step in and help change a situation. And so let me give you just an example of that. Um, did any of you come across this picture uh, on the internet over the last couple of weeks? Anybody remember seeing that? Okay, there are a few, a few, a few of you have. Okay, let, let me kind of draw an analogy here and let me explain what this is a picture of. Um, there was a gentleman who was across the street on, in his apartment watching as the Chicago Cubs baseball game, the crowd was disseminating from uh, watching a baseball game in Wrigley Field in Chicago. The gentleman's name was Ryan Hamilton, and as the Cubs fans poured out, he watched the situation develop. There was a gentleman um, who was looking for a ride home a cab. And here he is right here, and you can tell by this walking stick that he is blind. He could not see. For a while, he is there trying to hail a cab, but no cars stopped, none whatsoever. But finally, a pedestrian did. Her name is uh, Casey Spielman. Uh, 26 years old. Uh, she was visiting with some friends and she was at a restaurant across the street from Wrigley Field. As the game was getting out, she was leaving as well. And she noticed a gentleman who was not getting helped and she saw the cane in his hand said, well, I'll just step in and help. So she walked, walked up to him said, do you need some help getting a cab? He says, uh, yeah, that would be great. Um, no one's been stopping for me. You sound kind of pretty. Maybe they'll stop for you. So they made a little small talk there, and um, as they did, she raised her hand, hailed down a cab. The cab came through um, and uh, took the gentleman away. They hugged one another, um, and then uh, he was on his way. Well, the gentleman across the street saw this all take place, saw the woman approaching, and decided to pull out his camera and took a few pictures of this uh, and then put it on his Facebook and as she did, or as he did, he wrote kind of what he had saw happen there, and he wrote, so awesome to see such kindness in the world. Well, the next day, uh, the young gal, Casey Spielman, was surprised to see those photos of herself online. 
And she said, yeah, it was kind of strange, uh, feel, uh, strange feeling to see those photos of yourself when you didn't know they were taken. Not only did I not realize anyone was watching, but I had no idea it would have such an impact on people as well. Because as they were posted, it immediately went viral and many people spread it to family and friends and it went in many different directions. Even I was sent this by CBS News saying, hey, take a look at this. And, you know, let, let me tell you the analogies I want to draw from this. One, um, I have no idea if the young gal was a Christian. I have no idea if she prayed that morning to be a blessing. However, when you pray for something, be ready for God to move in your life. When you pray to be a blessing for someone, be ready to be a blessing. When you pray for an opportunity to witness, be ready to speak up and be a witness when those opportunities come. It is amazing how often you pray for those things, and when your spiritual eyes are on, they come about. If you pray to be a blessing, look for those kind of opportunities. Secondly, oftentimes um, we probably don't think about our kind acts getting displayed for all the world to see. But you have to know you have a Father in heaven who is very proud of you when you do something right. And I just have this imagery here of God, you know, calling over some of the old saints. Hey, Moses, come on over here. Take a look at this. <laughs> Moses probably would have said, well, it's no, you know, crossing of the Red Sea. But all right, that, that, that's okay. But, you know, God just calling the angels in and saying, hey, look, look, look what my child is doing. You never know who's watching. We don't do it for those purposes, but you know that God, your Father, is watching you. Third, and this is really where it comes down to prayer. Prayer brings this kind of help along into our lives. Prayer brings the realization that someone else needs help. Prayer allows us to be the eyes for someone who maybe physically cannot see, but usually it spiritually cannot see in things in the world around us. And praying for one another changes things. It changes the situation. It can change us as well. And we need to be aware that we need to lift a hand when God brings that our way, just like this young gal did as well. And I would pray that you and I would be those kind of people, to lift a hand, to say, how can I help? How can I be a blessing to you? I, I know, and I am so grateful and so thankful that many of you pray for me personally. And not only pray for me, but pray for my wife and my family as well. I got two cards this last week just saying, hey, we're praying for you, Pastor Brad. And so let me, just, let me just encourage you if I could do that since I have the mic. All right. Would you pray for me by name? in your prayer time. I don't care how long you pray, but, but mention my name. And if you would, would you mention the name of my wife as well and my family, Brianna and Caleb. I'd be most honored if you would pray for us. Pray for your pastor, pray for your fa pastor's family. And if you pray for our staff pastors as well and for their families. And if you don't know their names, you can go online and look. But whatever ones come to mind, if you will just say them by name, we realize that we have a target on our back from the evil one. And it's not easy being a pastor here in 2017. It's not easy being a pastor here in Stockton. It's a harder community. But if you would pray for us by name, we would be most obliged for that. Because we pray for you. We pray for you by name weekly. Your connection cards, your communication cards that you just turned in, we read every one of those on Tuesday, and we pray for them. We pray for every one of those concerns, many times taking those concerns back to our desk and praying for them throughout the week as well. You know what that's called? Theologians would call that intercessory prayer. 
Big word just for saying, pray for one another. And that's what we're talking about today. Praying for each other. What does that look like? I don't want to make it more complicated than it is. And so let me give you a verse here out of James chapter 5. If you want to look these up in your Bible, you can. Some of these will be quick verses. Some will be a little bit longer. But James chapter 5, would you read this verse with me? Read it. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. All right, many of you might say, yeah, you know, that's talking about my grandma. She was a righteous person. She did it right. She was a prayer warrior. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, someone at work, yes, that's a person. They, they're right. No, let, let me tell you what being righteous means. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, here's what it says. It says, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. What that's saying is that you are made right because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And because of his sacrifice for you, and if you believe in faith in Jesus, then you are deemed righteous. And it goes on to say there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. In other words, it is available to anybody and to everyone. That tells me that because of your righteousness in Christ... God also leans in and hears your prayers, and your prayers are powerful, and your prayers are effective. Let's not forget, though, where that power comes from. It does not come from the prayer. It comes from God and from His Spirit working in a situation. In fact, in Mark chapter 9, there's an interesting story where... Um, a father brings his son to Jesus because an evil spirit has taken a hold of the son and has made him mute and would seize him off and would throw him onto the ground with convulsions, would cause him to foam at the mouth as well. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I've asked your disciples to cast out this demon and they couldn't do it. And so Jesus ends up healing the boy and in Mark chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, after the healing, the disciples kind of pull him aside when they get to a house and they ask him privately. It says this. He says, why could we not cast it out, Jesus? Weren't we good enough to do it in this situation? What was going on there? And look at the answer. It says, he said to them, Jesus said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but what? By anything but prayer. You know, maybe the disciples were relying a little bit too much on their own power. Maybe they had been a little bit comfortable and just kind of said some words instead of going straight to God the Father. Maybe they had forgotten that it wasn't them who cast out the demon or that does these amazing works and the miracles, but it was God who works in that midst. And let's not forget that yes, it is God. Yes, he does use us many times, but it's in God's power. Let's not forget, First Baptist, there is a whole spiritual realm that operates around us that cannot be reasoned, it cannot be rationalized, it cannot be, be manipulated by human powers. It only is access and God only moves when someone comes to him in a place of prayer. A place of saying, God, would you move? God, would you work in this situation? You know, we can look at that uh, at this point in time in our history of church uh, with the Scottish Rite building. I know many of you have been praying for years, some of you praying for decades, that we would be able to purchase the land over the Scottish Rite building. Church, pray. 
Pray seeking God's mind of that. Pray seeking his will to be done in the midst of the situation. We don't know. As deacons, we have prayed about that. and We've come together and said, yes, we believe we want to take a step and move forward in this. But now it's a place of saying, First Baptist, let's pray about this as a congregation. God, what would you have us do? Would they want to work with us? Would they want to match a price that we had? Would they want to negotiate and say yes? Because there are other offers on that building and property as well. And yet we look at it and say it is so valuable and important for our ministry, we would hope that God would open up that door. But we don't know where God's leading. We don't know where he is directing. But it brings us as a church to a place of prayer. And saying, God, would you work? God, would you answer? God, would you move? And by the way, would you bring it to a price that we can afford as well? Because God, you own it all. It's all yours in the first place. God, we come to you it's amazing what happens when people pray. Let me give you some other things that takes place when we pray. I ask the question, how do I see God answers when I pray for others? Number one, my prayer can help set others free. My prayer can help set others free. Uh, this last uh, January through um, uh, May, I was able to teach in the book of <clears throat> Acts. And there's a great story in Acts chapter 12 where Peter is put into prison because he's sharing the name of Jesus. And the religious authorities do not like it whatsoever. So they land him in prison. But the church comes together and begins to pray for their leader. The church very specifically prays for Peter. And look at what it says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. It says this. It says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. It goes on a little later to say, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off of his hands. You go a little longer in the story, and you see that Peter just walks right out of the prison. He walks through the city. He walks right out the city gates. He decides, well, I need to go talk to the people who have been praying for me. And he goes to the very home that they've been praying for him, and he knocks on the door. And a little servant girl by the name of Rhoda comes and she answers the door and yet she doesn't open it up because she's not, uh, she doesn't know who's coming for them. They, she doesn't know if the authorities are coming to take some of them away. They know that they've been followers of Jesus so maybe they've imprisoned them. And so she shouts to the door, who is it? And Peter says, it's me. And she gets so excited, she runs back to the group and said, he's here, he's here, he's here. They say, no, he's not. He's not here, we're praying for him, he's in prison. No, he's at the door, no he's not. Maybe it's his angel, it's not Peter. Just come on, Rhoda, just get back down your knees, let's start praying. She says, no, Peter's here. They run to the door and they find out, yes, it's Peter. They invite him in, they say, come on in. Folks, when you pray for rain, you better carry an umbrella, all right? If you don't, where's your faith in that? They prayed for him specifically, and God answered that prayer. We need to be expecting that. We need to be praying in faith for that to come about. Those prayers still get answered today. Some here in our city, many overseas. Um, if you don't subscribe to the publication, The Voice of the Martyrs, a great little magazine that comes either monthly or quarterly. Um, sometimes we get it at home, sometimes I get it here at the office and can read through it. And you can see how God answers these kind of prayers for the persecuted church. 
And the magazine really is designed to allow the church body, the family, to pray for those who are suffering persecution. Do you realize that there are more people who have been persecuted since the start of the 20th century than in all the other centuries combined? More people persecuted for their faith. And certainly we see that on an incredible uptick here in the 21st century as well. And we haven't experienced that yet here in America, and I pray that we never will, but we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who do experience that. I introduced many of you to a website um, called opendoorsusa.org, and it talks about the 52 countries around the world that are the most, um, uh, persecution, have the most persecution of Christians. And every week they email you a different country and share how you can pray for those who are being persecuted. Prayer helps them. And maybe it doesn't set them free like we would pray and we would hope that would happen immediately. But over time, God works in the midst of that situation. And maybe it's emotionally they're set free. Maybe it's physically they're set free. But we need to pray for others in the midst of that. And it's not just a physical freedom that they need to be freed from. Many people need to be freed from an emotional. Uh, maybe it's a spiritual, and it leads right into the next point, And that is that prayer can also help others in temptation. Prayer can help others in temptation. Look at the verse here out of Luke chapter 22. Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, and he prays for Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Peter, Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But then watch these next words here. But I have what? This is Jesus saying, Peter, I am praying for you that your faith may not fail. When you have turned, strengthen your brothers even in the midst of that temptation. Let me remind you what Scripture says about temptation. If you are going through that today, if you are feeling like you are just getting hit on every side, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, look at the verse here. In fact, would you read this verse with me? Let's read it together. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. If you're struggling with some sort of temptation, and you feel like Satan keeps coming your way, you need to memorize this verse. Because what this is saying is that that temptation you're going through, others have gone through it as well. Others are going through it right now as well. And yet God is faithful. I mean, we just sang those promises. You haven't failed me yet. You haven't failed me yet. It says the words right there. God, you are faithful. And you're not going to allow me to be tempted beyond what I can bear. I can stand up underneath it. I can overcome this temptation. And prayer is what allows that escape. And praying for others helps them see that they can escape as well. Prayer and accountability go a long way in this type of an area. When you know you have others praying for you, and you know that you're being held accountable so that if you slip into some sort of temptation, that you have to tell them and be held accountable, call that accountability partner. Pray with them if you're going through a struggle. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's unfaithfulness to your spouse. Whatever it may be, have them pray with you. Have them pray for you, if you as you do that for others. Let me tell you about the unfaithfulness towards a spouse, because that temptation is strong. Tony Campolo tells an interesting story about the time he was asked to speak at a Pentecostal college, 
And uh, as was their practice, they kind of pulled him into a room before he went out to pray or before he went out to speak. And they wanted to pray with him and pray over him. And so they asked Tony to get down on his knees. And he did so. And there were eight large men who he said prayed. And as they prayed, they placed their hands on top of his head. They said as they prayed, they went on and on and on and on and on and on. And the further on they went, the heavier their hands became on his head. He said, I was just trying to hold my head up. He said, sometimes they would even meander and wander through their prayers. He said, there was one time when he began to pray, and a guy started to say, Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stolfus. He lives right down the street, a silver trailer down the road, about a mile. You know the trailer, Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side. And Tony is underneath there, and he's feeling the weight and the pressure of this. And he's like, okay, God, you know this. And he was almost getting ready to stop him and say, I think God knows where he lives. So let's just continue to pray on. But he was just trying to keep his head up is what he was trying to do. And the guy kept going on. He said, Lord, Charlie Stolfus told me this morning that he was going to leave his wife and his three kids. God, would you step in? God, would you do something? God, bring that family back together. Prayer time ended. Tony went out, spoke to the students at the Pentecostal College. It was a great talk. He got on uh, back in his car. He was starting to go home. He got on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, was traveling along, and he sees a hitchhiker, just feels compelled to pick him up. Picks up the hitchhiker. They start driving down the road a couple miles. Tony turns and says, hi, my name is Tony Campolo. What's your name? The guy says, my name is Charlie Stolfus. Tony said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I got right off the turnpike and I started going back the other way. Charlie looks at me and he says, what are you doing, mister? He says, I'm taking you home. Charlie Stolfus kind of stood up a little bit, sat up. His eyes narrowed and he said, why? And Tony said, because you just left your wife and your three kids and I'm taking you back home. Charlie Stolfus all of a sudden went across the car, up against the door. Keeping one eye on the road, one eye on this guy who had the steering wheel. Tony Campolo says, yeah, that's right. He starts driving and he drives exactly where the man who had prayed led in that prayer to go. He drives right to the silver trailer. And when he pulled up, Charlie Stolfus' eyes got bigger and bigger and bigger. He said, how'd you know I lived here? Tony Campolo says, God told me. <laughs> in reality, he did, Right? through prayer. He drives him up. He says, get out. And he opens up the door and he hears his wife come out of the, the, the silver trailer. And as she sees her husband, she whispers, you're back. You're back. You're back. She comes and she embraces her husband. And her husband embraces her. And as he does, he begins to whisper some things in her ear about what's just taken place in the car. And her eyes get real big. And Tony says, with great authority, he says, now the two of you sit down. I'm going to talk. You're going to listen. He says, man, did they listen. <laughs> and Tony Campolo talks about how he led them into a relationship with Jesus Christ that very afternoon. Now, some of your prayers may not end up in a dramatic story like that. But remember, prayer changes things. 
And when you pray for someone, when you pray over someone, when you pray with someone, it can help them defeat. Maybe it's temptation. Maybe God will do something like that. In fact, I had someone ask me this last week, did you really pray for all of us this last week when you asked us to raise our hand if we needed prayer? I said, absolutely I did. Every day I prayed for everyone that I saw, every hand that I saw up. I might not have known everybody's name, but I saw every hand, and I said, absolutely, I'm praying. And the gal said, I thought so, because God's doing something in there that he hadn't done for a long time, and he's doing something in my life. He's answering some prayers. She said, she already came up. She already came up and turned the light bulb right before the service. You know, if God's been working in your life, if God's been answering, be an encouragement to others. Come on up during the last song. Give us that kind of a testimony. God, would you work? God, would you pr- we pray for people. We pray for those who are um, uh, going through difficulties and struggles. We pray you will set them free. God, we pray for those who are going through temptations. Let me tell you what else your prayers can do. Your prayers can also help others make an impact. They can help others make an impact. Boy, as our staff and our deacons have talked about what could possibly happen over at the Scottish Rite building, God, if you would want us to have that property, the ministry that could take place over there, but God, it's in a place of prayer. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want? Which direction are you leading in here? We know what you've laid upon our heart, but God, would you make it available? We we pray for that to come about. God is a, a, a miracle worker. Let me tell you about another story. About um, This is a major movement that has happened in Seoul, Korea over the last 50 or 60 years. A um, number of decades ago, there was a gentleman, even here from the United States, who, who felt it upon the Lord, from the Lord, that he would do a work in South Korea. Joined together with some brothers over there, and they start a church in a friend's living room. Now, at this point in time, South Korea was very resistant to the gospel did not want to accept it. Christianity didn't want to have it in their country. But this movement of great hope began to move in that land, and they pitched a tent out in front of their yard, and that little movement in that house began to fill that tent until 1965 when 3,000 people had joined this church in South Korea. By 1972, 10,000 people had joined the movement. By 1979, 100,000 people had joined this church. By 1984, there were over 400,000 people who began attending this church in Seoul, Korea. This week, as I was doing research on this, there's over 800,000 people who call that their church home. Have a huge auditorium. 12,000 people can come in at their time, and they rotate throughout the land, coming in and out, having services, praising God. And when people come and tour and see the work that God is doing right there in Seoul, Korea, oftentimes they'll ask, what's the secret? What, what, what has caused this kind of a movement to take place in the land? And the, and the pastors who lead people and take them on their tours of their facilities say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's our furnace room. Furnace room? What's a furnace room? And they will usually say, you come back tomorrow, 5 a.m., we'll show you the furnace room. And so people will often wake up real early in the morning, real groggy, right, and sleep out of their eyes. They come to the big building, and the pastors will open up the building, and they'll see eight to 10,000 people on their knees praying at 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm not sure I believe in God at 5 a.m. in the morning. I do, but my body doesn't. This happens not just once a week. 
It happens every day. Eight to 10,000 people on their knees praying, God, would you do a work? God, would you do a work? God, would you do a work? It humbles me to hear something like that because it makes me feel so feeble as my prayers. But all we can do is start. All we can do is if you continue. All you can do is continue to say, God, would you draw me in? God, would you draw me in? God, would you draw me in? I want to pray that others will make an impact. God, I want to pray that I will make an impact. In fact, you know what some of our biggest needs are here come, upcoming in the fall? is for community group leaders. It's for people to step up and say, sure, I'll, I'll help open up my home. I'll help with people who, who want to study God's word. I'll help train. I'll help be a leader in that. In fact, here's the words. Look at this verse out of um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. It says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, the, the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers who are few. And then he says, ask the Lord. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray that he would send workers into his harvest field. That's what we're praying for, that you would step up, that you'd be a part of the ministry, that you'd be a part of what we're doing here at First Baptist. You'd join in, you'd say, I'm committed, I'm in. I'm a part of giving, I'm a part of serving, I'm a part of worshiping. God, would you do a work in our midst? Let me give you one last thing, and that is our prayers also help others grow spiritually. They help others grow spiritually. Ephesians 1.18 says it like this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You know, this last um, month, we've had so many kids here on our campus, um, kids and youth all over our campus and doing mission work. Um, we've had interns who have been here for the past month. We've had junior hires up at Chico with YWAM doing a great mission work up there. Senior hires going up to Oregon in the next month. Vacation Bible School, there were hundreds of kids here on the campus. Uh, basketball and cheer camp this last week. Uh, First Baptist Christian Schools also has a summer program that they have. You know what our prayer for all those kids are? Our prayer is that God would become real to them. That it wouldn't just be some type of an activity that they are doing here on the ground, but that God would become very real to them in the midst of all of what they are doing. In the basketball and the cheer camp. That, that, that yes, they came to learn a skill of basketball and cheer, but they heard the devotions. They heard God's word opened up. They heard the object lessons that talked about a God who loves them and cares for them. Vacation Bible school, the same thing. Kids who are on mission trips, that they will experience the living God and something will happen in the midst of that. That they will say, this is not someone else's faith. This is not my mom's faith. This is not my grandmother's faith. This is my faith. And if you've not prayed for your children to receive that kind of a faith, we have just a little prayer reminder in here in this, um, on the back sheet where it says, praying for your children. And if your children are grown and gone, maybe you're praying for your grandchildren. Maybe you're praying for your neighborhood kids and for those children. But we need to be praying for those kids. Because Satan is battling for their minds. Satan's battling for their hearts. But we need to do spiritual battle as well. I love the first few. Pray they'll accept Christ as Savior early in life. Pray they'll be wise. Pray that they'll be caught when they're guilty. Yes. Let them learn the lessons when they're young. So that they'll know how to handle that and won't want to walk down that road. In their life. You see, it. put that someplace in your Bible. Put that someplace where you'll come across it often and begin to pray. Pray, pray, pray pray. Be a praying church. Let me give you one last thought. Let me show this uh, picture up here again. Um, and let me ask this question. How many of you have ever felt like this gentleman here 
um, who needed some help, uh, who needed some direction in life. How many of you at some point in your life have ever needed help or direction in life at some point in time? Sure, every one of us would at some point in time have said yes to that. My prayer is that when you're feeling that, there will be someone who comes along, simply raises their hand, and says, can I help? And my prayer is, when you see someone else feeling that way, that you would come along, raise your hand in prayer, and give someone some help. Maybe it's physical help, but more often than that, it's spiritual help that they need. And that you would be someone to help see guidance spiritually, that you would be someone when you know they cannot see that spiritually you can see, and you would be praying for them. You would step in. You would be the one interceding for them so that God can answer things in their life. We know God answers. We need to pray. We need to pray so that God can answer. And so here at the end of the service, once again, we're just going to open up the altar. If you want to come and just take some time to pray, please come and pray. If you'd like to be prayed with, we'd be honored to pray with you here or in our chapel. If you have had some God answers already, come on up during the song and twist the board. The D is looking kind of dim right now, all right? Oh, we had some more lit. All right, three more from the 8 o'clock service. Um, but come. Be an encouragement if God's starting to answer. As we said last week, we know some of those prayers that we have out on those boards aren't going to be answered in just a few weeks' time, but if they have been, be an encouragement to others. And as you pray, know that you're praying to a Heavenly Father who loves you and loves, loves to answer when you pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you for an opportunity to come to our Heavenly Father even now just to pray. And Lord, we're, we're not praying just so we can receive answers. We're, we're praying because you've asked us to, on behalf of others, to intercede. We're, we're praying so we can talk with you, our Heavenly Father, who has made us and created us and loves us, so Lord, we can feel your presence in our lives. And so God, we just come before you in that state of prayer. Just talking to our Father, our Papa, our Abba Father, Daddy. And First Baptist, let me ask you a question as you're in this place of prayer. If you could pray to God, God, is there a specific person who needs me to pray for them? Right here and right now. And if God would bring just a name to mind, or maybe that face would just pop into your mind even now. Just pray for them. Lift them up in prayer. Right now. Maybe this week, you'll feel compelled to tell them that you've been praying for them, that you prayed for them even in your church on Sunday morning. Maybe if they live farther away, you'll call them or send a text or write them a note, just letting them know you prayed. But let me bring up a second situation. If you would pray to God right now and just ask him to bring you a name or a face of someone in your life who does not know the Lord who doesn't have the hope and the peace that you have by knowing Jesus, 
pray that God would bring that name to you right now? And would you, again, take a few moments just to pray for them? Perhaps this week as you're led, maybe you can let them know you prayed for them as well. Maybe it would initiate a spiritual conversation. Maybe it would initiate an invitation to your church where the gospel can be shared with them. Whatever it may be, my prayer is that as you intercede for others, God would lay upon your heart how you can also be a part of that process of help for others. In the church family, we also ask you to pray. Pray if God would have us enlarge our territory over in the Scottish Rite area. That God would show favorably upon our ministry here. And that discussions can begin. Lord, that we would see some answers even happening in the next few weeks. Of your leading and your direction. What you would have us do with property over at the Scottish Rite area. And God, at the same time, would, if you would have us have that, would you allow there to be a price that we will feel as fair and that we together would join into of saying yes, Lord, we'd love to enlarge our territory for your kingdom, for your purposes. But we know there's great darkness in, their, in this land. We know that when you enlarge your territory, there's more that can be done for serving in you. And so I pray through every household, through every property that you have given us, every Christian who is here and the house that you've allowed them to live in or apartment you've allowed them to live in, Lord, that that can be dedicated to you and to your work. Lord, and thank you for these grounds that you've given to us for so many years. And Lord, if you would have us enlarge that territory to do more ministry, we pray to you that you would open those doors. God, even now as we um, sing one last worship song, as some come forward to be prayed for, to be prayed over, or just to kneel at the altar, as others come to give testimony of what you've done in their lives, Lord, I thank you that we have an opportunity and the freedom to do that in. We come because we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us as your children to come before you and to speak and to pray to you even now. For we pray this all in the name of Jesus who allows us that access. In Jesus' name we pray.